So we're at our new podcast studio we set up for RJ. What do you think? Pretty good, huh? It's another place with microphones. Pretty good. Headphones. Good job. Thanks, bro. So Thanks. this is like our third I Hate Insurance podcast. Third I Hate Insurance podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to all of our listeners. You might have noticed that in our first I Hate Insurance podcast, Jenna, our lovely young employee, has left, now works at RPS, had a nice little meeting with her the other night in Naples talking about how RPS wants to use us, so it's all good. Yeah. Jenna's good, we're good, life is good. Yeah. So we wanted to do a little market update and things we've been seeing more of. What's going on with Prime and what are we seeing nowadays? Well, we're seeing more property, more trucking, more professional liability, more health care, you know, homeowners, high-end homeowners, and small homeowners, half a million to a million dollars, mobile homes, um, condos. But the biggest account we wrote was a big commercial property account in Florida, and we've written the guy's liability for about six years. He had a lot of liability claims and was canceled, couldn't get coverage, so we've known him for six years, and uh, when he got the terms that the market was offering, along with a captive, they wanted him to set up our virtual captive where he shares risk with us. Um, and we partner with him was a much better option lower cost and uh, should be new exciting future for lots of other people you know condo associations mall owners anybody commercial property in wildfire or coastal areas so i mean this week all state nationwide and state farm announced that they're not writing new business for any wildfire area scores so apparently they've hit the wall and realized that what they've been doing isn't sustainable right so I, mean, I guess it's like the banks in 08 and countrywide home loans and you know, the insurance industry now is going through the same pain that the banking industry went through and really still going through today and to be honest with you, the insurance crisis has been going on since the 80s when I started insuring recreational businesses. Now it's just, you know, the latest thing that isn't working out the way the experts say it will. So, you know, fundamentally, I think there's two things that I would tell all insurance companies as an industry we need to do. And as homeowners and wildfires and storms supposedly get worse, which they're worse in my mind because there's more population and more value. The storms, they've always been bad. It's cyclical, and uh, we're now proving that in the West with, you know, cool weather and lots of snow and lots of water. And, um, anyway, deductibles and premium increase. So many insureds had a $20 million home, 
two million dollar deductible, and they paid, you know, seventy grand or one hundred and fifty grand. Now their premiums double and they're tripling, and their deductibles doubling. So, you know, that approach is old school, and from an insurance company perspective, what we need to realize, we're feeding lawyers, right? That you're setting up a disaster that's gonna happen that makes it so easy for lawyers to sue you that it's ridiculous. You took somebody's money and in a catastrophe, you think you're smart enough to underwrite it and give the person a deductible where you don't pay anything. So they basically paid their premium and now they have to pay their own claim because the deductible's so high. So, you know, we offer risk sharing. No deductible. So if you had a million dollar liability or property policy and you took the first 100,000, which isn't unusual in a name storm or a wildfire, normally there's five, 10% deductible. So you would be paying the first 100,000. In that case, we would cover 10% of the claim so if you had a $100,000 claim, old school, you're paying the whole 100000 New approach, you're paying 10000 and your insurance company's paying 90, 90% of the claim, $90,000, but you're working together to get the damage fixed as soon as possible. You're not sending an adjuster out to do a report. I talk to people in Florida now, they're on their third adjuster and they don't have a report, and they're waiting for money to fix their damn house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, outsourcing and deductibles just feed lawyers, grow the legal system. And again, lawyers are doing their job. They're supposed to represent their client and make you pay when you're stupid. So and Most you know, of the time, your stuff doesn't get fixed unless you pay for it. Right. Like your boat. Yeah. I filed suit against State Farm this week. So, Jake, you're on notice. I'm coming after you. So, um, you know, and again. So, I mean, the idea, your idea is to do a risk share, quota share, where the insured would, instead of have a deductible, they take a percentage of the risk. Yeah. So, you know, when I started Prime, an insurance company, the only reinsurance I could get was like, Two fifty. I took the first two fifty, and then they would give me seven fifty x of that. So if I issued a million dollar policy, I would pay the first two fifty of all claims. You pay them forty cents of every dollar for the seven fifty layer above your primary two fifty. And after like three or four years, it's like I'm doing all the work. I'm paying all the claims. I'm paying the commission, and they never do anything. So you start to feel like it's a bad partnership. Now that we're a good proven insurance company, I don't buy that kind of reinsurance anymore. I buy quota share. So if I give Warren Buffett 10% of the premium, he pays 10% of the claims. And it's equal. We're, we're working together. A deductible creates lines of separation. Just like if you have a $100 million policy and you have 10 million, 10 million, 10 million, 10 million, Every insurance company is looking at their own layer, right? That's not a good way to manage litigation. You're better off having one policy with all the reinsurers following the lead. 
Um, then you don't have 10 lawyers. You got 10 policies, there's 10 lawyers when you report a claim. Yeah. Part of the tactics we want to do is keep things simple. And my new hashtag, which I don't understand about hashtags, but now and as all this litigation and legislation in Florida has been going on, you know, years and years ago, I was into tort reform because everybody said release forms were no good. And so I wanted to change the law to make release forms good, donated money to all the tort reform associations. You know, we didn't need it. What you needed to do was go to juries and take cases to the Supreme Court. And that's how we won Saints, Saints versus Whitewater Voyages was getting the Supreme Court ruling. Tort reform didn't do that. Yeah. Now that's the cited case nationwide. So Cited case for waivers. For release forms, yeah, assumption release of forms. a risk. But same in Florida, you know, if you know people are going to sue you as an insurance company, you should make sure you're doing it in a way where you can make your customer happy. That's why my new hashtag is bench the lawyers. Right? You, you bring the lawyers in the game by insuring people for the wrong value. You know, it costs $300 to rebuild their house per square foot. You let them insure it for 120 Then when they have a claim, you say, oh, we're not paying your claim because you're underinsured. Right? The lawyers are going to argue, well, why did you take their money? Why didn't you tell them at the time you took their money that they had to do it right? That's all we're doing is making sure that, you know, when we talk to every insured, you have to make sure that you have a relationship with them where you can avoid the lawyers. And if they're dumb enough to go get a lawyer, then you can enforce your contract. Just like when I took the case of the Supreme Court in Wisconsin where some property owner alleged our policy was illusionary. Right? Every other insurance company, Lloyd's, would have settled that case because they would have thought they were going to lose. But I knew the case. I knew the way we delivered the policy, and the Supreme Court ruled Prime's policy is the most clear, unambiguous policy we've ever read because we weren't trying to sell them a policy. We actually explained it to them. There were examples in the policy of how the claim would be adjusted and how the math worked. It was clear. You weren't hiding the ball from them. So, you know, it's, are we trying to sell insurance or making a happy customer? If you're trying to sell insurance, you're setting up lawyers to sue you because it's, it's not honest enough. You're not reading the fine print. You're not reading the exclusions. So then when shit that can happen does happen, it's like you're teeing up the lawyers in the fairway. Of course they're going to take the opportunity. So like in... Florida sinkholes aren't covered under homeowners. Yeah. And then everywhere else, mudslides aren't covered. So our policy, our approach, we want to offer you DIC, difference in condition. We insure it. It's a 100-year-old home. We're not insuring that it's a 100-year-old home. We're insuring a 100-year-old home from today with you as the owner. Again, if there was no such thing as insurance, and you had a water problem under your house or you didn't have earthquake coverage and you formed your own insurance company, you would cover everything, right? If, that you needed. Yeah, if you had a water problem, if you had an earthquake, you wouldn't look at yourself and say, sorry, Park, 
We don't cover earthquake. This money's not for earthquake. No, so when, when somebody forms a captive, they think that's what they're going to do. Well, I'll just put my money in there and we'll cover everything. Well, when you form a captive, you have to buy reinsurance. You know what reinsurance doesn't cover? All that stuff that was excluded on all your policies when you bought it the regular way. So, now Disneyland, Disney World, Disney has a $100 million self-insured retention on everything, property, liability. So, you know, they manage that first layer themselves. And there should be an insurance company that can do it as good as they can. But you have to do true math, T-R-U, true math. So we can't change math. If you have a $5 million house, every 100 years it's going to be significantly damaged. You've got to put $50,000 away for 100 years. You're not going to live 100 years. So if you do that for five years, you got 250 grand, your house burns down, you can't build it back. So that's what insurance does. It's not magic, but it should be able to build your house back and then keep insuring you because you did true math. If you don't do the right math and you're charging somebody seven grand, you should be charging 50. And then the population grows and you add 10 more new homeowners for every one you had. And then all of a sudden you realize that you are underpriced and there's global warming, glo global warming or climate change, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, and you better prepare for the worst. That's, that's what insurance should do. Most people are like, ah, you know, I'm never going to need insurance. I just need the piece of paper. Well, then we can't help you. We help people that actually have events, have claims, get sued. You know, if you're a big company, trucking company, water park, ski resort, you are going to have people injured and accidents happened and how you perform, you know, can vary greatly. You can always pay a million dollars on every claim. The insurance company can al always overpay it and cancel you and send you out to the wolves to now be an unappetizing risk. Or you can pick better partners and, you know, like the rafting death case in California, we took to the Supreme Court, the quadriplegic case in Naples, Florida, with the trash truck we just had. Any other insurance company would have paid the million limit and spent hundreds of thousands. The one in Naples, we spent $40,000, we were ready to go to trial, and they dropped it because they knew they were going to lose. Now, South Florida is considered a legal hellhole. And, you know, you can pay a million dollars on that. You can pay two million. The guy's in a wheelchair. But do you have to pay if you're not at fault, if he drives his motorcycle into your truck going 90? when the speed limit's 60. So, you know, you, you actually have to have a plan with your insured. If and the quota share all-in-one deductible or the quota share risk share can be personal for homeowners or commercial, right? Well, it's in anything. It's just yeah. if you were an insurance company, you would buy excess of loss, which is like a deductible, 
or you would buy quota share. So as an insurance consumer, personal and business running an insurance company, I want to buy quota share. So that's what I want to sell to my partners. You know, other people don't want to do that. The industry would be way better off if we did that because your interests would be aligned with your insureds and you would have less litigation because the, f the tracks that your relationship roll on are even. You're both in the same boat. Deductibles separate your interests. It's just simple. So, what was your other subject? I think that was all three you touched on them. The large property account in Florida that you talked about at the beginning. Risk share. And the all-in-one property slash homeowners. Commercial and homeowners. Yeah. But, but we did, basically, we include flood. That's the big thing where in Florida... You, you know, need flood, but in California, you need mudslide. Well, you need flood, mudslide, you need everything. Because that's what I would want. If I had a home in California or a home in what Florida. What about Utah? Earthquake. Utah. Yeah, you need earthquake. Which is excluded from homeowners. It's separate, separately sold. We do the all-in-one, and you can reject. Right? If you don't want it, you can reject it. And uh, then, if you sued us after the event we could go to court and win. We would enforce our contract, which is the foundation of our business is we have to be able to enforce our contract. If you're a liar, cheater, and a stealer, and you enter into the contract illegally, we can't live up there into the bargain. We can't make everybody else that does everything right pay for you. And that's, you know, that's America. Contract law is upheld in all states, New York, is one of the best states, and it's just the facts. So you, you represent yourself as, you know, doing these things. You're a roofer, and then, you know, you're out racing a boat, and, you know, you claim you have coverage. No, you don't, and our policy makes it clear. I'm not sure other policies make it that clear, but obviously over 50 years, they've developed exclusions and limitations that they think provides very narrow coverage and you know doesn't include things like assault and battery sexual abuse and molestation which most liability lawsuits plaintiffs lawyers are going to include those allegations just to cause trouble because they know it's not covered doesn't cost us any more to defend those claims and if somebody actually assaulted or battered somebody or molested them, that's a crime, and an insurance can't cover it. So basically, when they add those exclusions, they're trying to not defend you, which means you get to go now hire your own, own lawyer, and that kind of defeats the purpose of insurance. And you know, the last thing I would say is, I say it a lot to most people, is why don't you report all your claims? And it's like, well, I have a deductible of 10000 or 50000 or 100000 It's like, yeah, but you're still required to report those. That just means you pay them. And in most cases, 
those claims can grow into bigger claims if they're not properly managed. And one out of every 10 or one every 20 is going gonna, is gonna to blow up, right? That's just statistical numbers that they just do that. Um, so the reason people don't report claims, and I compare it to if you were starting a business and you had a lot of stuff, contracts, employee issues, you would go hire a lawyer on retainer. They would tell you, okay, five grand a month, call me anytime. So if you pay a lawyer retainer, you call him, right? You wouldn't not call him. wouldn't be like, oh, I'm not calling him. Yeah. The reason people pay for insurance, which is like putting a lawyer on retainer and then don't report claims, is because they know it's not a good relationship. It's not one where, you know, you can actually trust them. You think you have to hide certain things from them. And, you know, they don't want to report on their loss run, right? When we underwrite stuff, I like seeing losses on loss runs. If somebody shows me a clean loss run, I know they're not being honest. Even all these property accounts, the condo associations in Florida, they've paid 800 grand out of their own checking account under their deductible. Well, when you look for loss runs, when you get a submission, an app and loss runs, doesn't show what they paid out of their own pocket. Yeah. Which, with our policy, where we're covering that and it's on a shared basis, that's that. part of the math. Yeah. That's true math. You know, we're not magic. We can be a better partner and be more efficient and reduce cost, make a claim less painful, but it's just math. And it's about being a good insured, being a good insurance company. You know, as a company to be successful, I need good partners. That's why the good partners we've had for 30 and 40 years, we have a great relationship with because we both do our job. They don't expect me to be cheaper than stupid because there's always some new market that comes up and beats our price, but they know it's not worth it because it's a relationship and a partnership. Okay. We need good insureds. They need a good insurance company. And it's always best to deal with the decision maker. In any sales job, they always teach you that. Get to the decision maker. So if the decision maker doesn't want to deal with you, that's kind of a red flag or something you at least need to Take investigate. Yeah. Well, and there might be a good answer for it, but I don't know of one. Yeah. Well, I think we'll end it there, but if anyone has any questions for the next podcast or anything they want to ask us or... RJ, let us know. Send us a message on LinkedIn. Everyone sees Rick on LinkedIn. And if you follow him or don't, go give him a follow. And if you have any questions or anything, let us know. No, you can message Parker. Yeah, you can he message me too. He flies the helicopter. Oh, so yeah. There's no mistake. Yeah, I fly. No, I don't fly. RJ's the captain. We're all following his lead. And thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time.